Welcome to Wildlife Outdoors with your host, Russell and Jose. If you have a passion for conservation of the outdoors, or you're enjoying a calming hike in the mountains, an exhilarating kayak trip on the river, feeling a fish on the end of your line, cooking on an open flame in a primitive campsite, or stalking big game, just waiting for the perfect shot, you're in the right place. So put on your boots and polarized sunglasses and come along for the ride. Welcome back to Wildlife Outdoors with Jose and Russell. Today we are joined by a special guest. His name is Chris Marrero. He is an avid outdoorsman who loves duck hunting. He's a Navy man who's actually going to be reserves from active duty, and he is also a dedicated father. So y'all help us welcome Chris Marrero. How you doing, man? Good, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Glad to be here, man. Hey, we're happy to have you, man. So um, I've said before in previous podcasts that I'm not really the, the biggest hunter. I'm, I love hunting, but I'm not the most experienced hunter. So uh, I'm happy to have you on and talk with somebody that's done some duck hunting, has been successful at it, and uh, go from there. So um, I see behind you, you got some ducks on the wall. What's, what are those? Yeah, I got a, I got a couple of mallards. I got a drake and a hand nice. following, and then uh, this other side there is my pintail. And I got a couple. I got a couple in the freezer too. They're they're waiting for some mounts too. But um, it's actually crazy because these three birds were all from one hunt. So really, I, I, yeah, one hunt, and I, I got a whole different kind of bag of of, of birds. So I got really lucky. So um, that's awesome. You get all those down in Texas? I did. Yeah. So I actually won it during a Texas Parks and Wildlife raffle hunt. So oh, nice. Back in. I want to say 2021, I put in for one and I was selected for, I want to say it was Richland Creek out in Corsicana. And it was the mm-hmm. last day of duck hunting out there. It was like January 28th, 29th. Um, and I remember it's, it's, it's so funny because duck hunting is so weird, man. Like I've started, I want to say my first duck hunt was like in 2018 with my father-in-law. And from there, I've been kind of getting little pieces here and there, but. I really haven't I really haven't dug too much deep into it until this year. So mm-hmm. back then in 2021, when I went out there, I just had some basic waders, like did not have any gear whatsoever. Um, but it's funny because I go I go out to this this um WMA out there, and that's pretty cool because you'll draw a different site. There's different spots. It's right next to a refuge too. So all the ducks out there are hanging out and they're they're um, chilling and stuff. So I get to my spot and I remember thinking like, I got some decoys off of Facebook marketplace. Like these things are old. They're fiberglass. It's funny. Cause I'll, <laughs> I'll still take them out. I'll still take them out and people will laugh at me. I'm like, dude, I don't care, man. They work, you know, cause everybody else got their, you know, two, $300 decoys, brand new, nice paints, bright. And here's, <laughs> Here's my big old loaf of bread that's painted, that's floating next to me, and it's heavy. And they're like, dude, what is that? I'm like, look, I don't ask questions. I need to do the birds. So as long as they're right. as long as they're coming in, it's working. Hey, so, as long as it gets the job done. Exactly. So I'm walking out to the middle of the spot, and I remember the guy telling me, like, hey, the only coverage you have in this spot is about 150 yards, and there's, like, a bunch of reeds just right in the, in the center. So you're going to have to hide out there unless you really want to brush up somewhere uh, on the bank. But I'd recommend getting right in the middle and go hang out there. So I was like, all right, cool. So I thought about it. I'm like, well, I need to be able to 
to bring a lot of my stuff back. So I went to the gas station, got one of those cheap styrofoam coolers. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know what? I'm going to use this like a little sled. So I, I carry, I, I basically hooked that, uh, my bag of decoys in that styrofoam little cooler. And that's what I carry my birds in. And so they could float <laughs> whenever I picked them back out. But good Lord, man, I was, I was one, I was freezing my butt off and that hike in, in like muddy water and, and mucky water and stuff like that. And that silt, good Lord, I was gassed. I was, I'd have to stop every 50 yards and you just kill over. You're like, good man, I cannot breathe. Like I'm out of shape, but this sucks. <laughs> like why do people do this for fun? You know, and, and I thought about that when I was first getting out there, you know, uh, but it wasn't until after I shot those birds and I saw like, okay, now I see it. Now I get it, you know, but yeah, those, those three birds were from the same hunt and man, it was, it was awesome to have that. All those birds around you was definitely a really cool feeling. So I think that's where really got me hooked that, that one day. That's awesome. Yeah. From everybody that I've talked to that duck hunts, like they talk about how cold it is, how wet it is, how early you have to get up, like all this stuff that I just, I mean, to me, I've never been duck hunting, so I don't, I just don't know the thrill of it. And all these people just explain how miserable it can be, but yet they go back day in and day out to do it. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, I guess I just don't know because I've never been, but what is the appeal of going duck hunting? Man, I guess I'm just a sucker for pain, man, because it's the same thing. You know, you're <laughs> cold, you're wet. Uh, dude, I've, I've fallen through ice trying to get a bird, like, my whole hands are frozen. My, my gun's frozen up. And like, you get, a, you get done. You're like, good man, that sucked a lot. And you think about <laughs> it. On the drive, and even the drive there too, like you're driving there and you're like, dang, I, I can see the temperature on the dash and it's early. I'm like, why am I doing this? <laughs> and then I think the biggest part for sure, like I'd go by myself and stuff, but I think the best part for me that I like the most is definitely going with somebody. And having yeah, that aspect yeah. because it's it's just like dove hunting, you know. You go out there and you hang out. And you're you're kicking in with, with someone, um, but you just get to enjoy that. And you know, you, you watch them, you know, fall in the water and it's funny and stuff like that too. But you're getting to you know hang out with somebody. Um, you get those nasty conditions. You know, there's there's rain. There might be even snow and sleet and stuff like that. Uh, but to me, the birds are for sure like beautiful birds i love their colors i love their feathers and stuff like that um and i wasn't a fan of eating them as well until i learned how to cook them once i learned how to make them do these things are money so now i know like okay now there's more of a rhyme to a reason to this as well but really just hanging out with the people and being able to hunt with somebody i would say is definitely a game changer i think that's where it really got me hooked into it so kind of different from deer hunting because you're just sitting there you're quiet duck hunting. It's like, no, you're, you're messing with someone. You're, you're throwing things at people. You're laughing at them because they're missing birds. Like it's a whole experience. I see, man. I need to get out there and do it. Yeah. I know that you're talking about cooking them and I'll say, I don't, I don't remember if it was him or uh, one of his friends. He was talking about that. There's a certain kind of duck. Maybe it was a coot in the way to cook them. You remember that? Jose? Yeah. You should tell I that. I do remember that. <clears throat> so I, We'll kind of give you a little bit of my background, Chris. So I, I went to school for a few years down in South Texas. Prior to that, I hadn't had like any duck hunting experience whatsoever. 
but I met a group of dudes who just like being outside. They liked going hunting and stuff like that. And, uh, and what's kind of cool about the Texas coast, I don't know if you've hunted the coast at all, but yeah. as long as like you can find a, like a little Island or whatever, it's pretty much all like, it's a public waterway. So it's like public yeah. land essentially. So you can just go like, if you can find a way to get to a little Island, whatever, you're pretty much good to go. So that's what my buddy had this like old rickety, like, like so rackety friggin' John boat. And it was like leaking sometimes. It was kind of, it was kind of sketchy a little bit, but <laughs> I mean, dude, we would load up in that thing and we would just take off and find somewhere to go. And we, and a lot of us, like we we're just learning as we were going type thing. And, uh, and so I can, I can kind of, like, I think you said it perfectly when you were talking about how you're like, why duck hunting is so fun. Because if you're going to go, cause I mean, the best duck hunting is when it's cold and when it's wet, the wetter and the colder, the nastier, the better. So if you're going to be sitting out there by yourself, I mean, that's pretty shitty. Like, yeah. you know, it's not, it's not fun, but being around people and giving each other like a hard time. And it's like a, I don't know, I guess some camaraderie and the suffering, if you will. But, exactly. um, but yeah, man, it was, it was a blast. So I, I, that was kind of my foray into duck hunting. And it's honestly one of my favorites also just because it's like more interactive when you can actually see the birds, give them a couple calls and, watch them work the decoys i mean it's just it's a blast it's, it's total 180 compared to deer hunting uh, not to say i don't enjoy that either because i do and i i i know you do you got a nice book on the wall but there's just something different about about duck hunting man but um anyways so going back to what russell said my buddy was like is it you ever try coop i was like no nah, man I never tried that and he goes dude let me tell you i'm gonna tell you the best way to cook them i was like all right let's hear it you know so what you do is you take your coot season it however you want it and get a nice plank right get the plant the plank soaked so it don't burn up on you you put the meat on you put the coot on the plank throw it in the pit till till it gets done so you take it off and you throw the coot away and you eat the plank <laughs> all right <laughs> i don't know why every time he tells that it gets me i think it's freaking hilarious <laughs> that's so funny dude because uh, but that's that's where my first hunt was at on the Texas coast. So I went out with my father-in-law and we, and we hit up those, uh, there's, there's public land, uh, blinds out there. And I learned, mm -hmm. I guess those are guidelines, but if they see somebody who's not a guide, they're not going to give you any hell about it. You know, they're going to let you hunt at it. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, my first one was out there on the, on the Corpus Christi Bay out there on those blinds. But I, I got a buddy though, that I go out with. He's funny, man. He, he loves shooting coots. He's a coot killer, man. <laughs> so really, yeah, he he loves it, man. It's it's so hilarious. I'll I'll give him shit every time, but uh, <laughs> we'll be out there. Like the la the last time we were out there, uh, we didn't see, we saw some birds, but they weren't committing. Um, the wind was was too much for them, um, but they just were not coming in at all. Um, we get some flybys and stuff like that, but they didn't want to commit. I think that's one thing too, you know, getting able to being able to call. Not like deer hunting where you're just sitting there. I mean, you might throw mm -hmm. a grunt here and there, but be able to call too um, and work on that and see them come in is, is definitely a different feeling. But uh, so we had a couple of coot come in, and he's already getting frustrated too because we've seen birds and they fly off and he's, he's pissed. He's like, I just want to fucking shoot something. He's, he's grumbling and he's, he's moaning and groaning, and I'm laughing, right? I'm laughing at him, and then he's like, screw it, I'm shooting the coot. I was like, don't shoot the coot, man. Don't, what the coot do you mean? You know? <laughs> so he shoots the coot 
and ever since then, he's been like, every coot he sees, he's like, I'm taking that coot. I'm at <laughs> his, his thing is, like, I'm adding him to the pot. And he's he's actually gone out. He's he's looked up, like, Louisiana coot recipes and stews and stuff because they'll eat them down there. They call them do. And uh, it's, it's funny because I think I, I mentioned that to a friend. He's like, man, I don't care what kind of name you church them up with they're still cooting they're still nasty <laughs> but uh but now he'll he'll shoot them so every time he shoots one i'm always yelling coot coot killer <laughs> so. that's freaking awesome so how do you tell the difference like how do you id birds when they're flying in or how you need to adjust your call and stuff like that so it's hard i'm i'm still kind of get used to it with you know iding them um mm-hmm. if you get the sun on them you can tell of course you know you get your big birds your big ducks like your mallards and pintails and stuff like that um teal usually flies together pretty fast in packs and stuff like that um when it comes down to calling though that's it really kind of finesses a lot of things because you can do it too much and sometimes less mm-hmm. is more and i've learned that real quick mm-hmm. um i've learned that a call is is a tool not not an instrument so you really want to specify what you're doing. So whenever you see a bird, you want to throw out a little, little greeting call, let them know that you're there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, throw a little feed in there. Maybe somebody's on like a little two whistle, um, give it a mallard drake. Um, you could even do some, some teal peeps, uh, more some pintail little whistles on that too. Um, which I usually carry, I would say three calls on me. Um, I have another one getting made for me now, but maybe three, I'd say three is what you need. I, I started off with a, um, Primo's winch, just a $20. Some you get at Academy. I think it's good. Cause it, it really makes you work a little bit harder for it to get that good mm-hmm. tone. And once you go from that to a nicer call, it's a lot easier. Um, but that, and like a six and one whistle is all you need. You can do so many calls, but yeah, you give them a little greeting call, see if they come in, get a little little feed and chuckle. And then for the last resort, if they're, if they're not coming whatsoever, you give them a hail call and see if they can turn them. And I've done that a couple of times and it works, but sometimes that'll flare them. So I see. Mm-hmm. It's real, real picky. And it's, I, you know, not, not going to lie, man. I was, a, I was a real big sky blaster whenever I was first starting. You, know, you get real excited that that bird's coming. 20 30 yards and like i'm taking them mm-hmm. but you have to learn a lot of patience because those birds will they'll come in and they'll swoop in and then they'll circle back around they'll fly back out and you get real like kind of nervous like are oh, they gonna turn around they're gonna flare off and they'll come back and they'll circle again on another pass and then they'll come in and once you get them feet down it's over that's when you take them out so it's it's a whole it's a whole experience i mean it's and i think that's what really makes it fun too dude and it also depends, like on on region and time of year, season stuff like that. You got to think these birds are more migrating from north south. So by the time they get to us, they've been shot at so many times. Yeah, they've heard exactly. all the calls. They've seen all the things. Like they're smart, man. They're real exactly. smart. So when you, so a lot of times, yeah, like like you, like Chris said, less is more. You only really hit them when you feel like you need to. But um. Cause and you'll and if you ever go to the marsh, like you can hear dudes like just calling and quacking like all the morning long, and they they'll they might get some birds for sure, but it's like it, it you, you can definitely do it too much. You can scare them. Um, your decoy spreads. You have to be a little bit more on point, man. Like I've seen, there have been times where we're hunting 
we're hunting in like pintail and for whatever reason those birds are so smart dude they'll fly over us like three four times something just don't look right they're gone and they're like what the hell man so we go into the spread try to figure out what's going on and we had a uh we had a little cord hanging over the back of one of the decoys and it was just enough to flare them out man they're like no nope, really we, we we ain't that dumb yeah man it's crazy and like early season birds tend to tend to be they, they'll, they'll work with you a little bit more you know they're they're a little bit more naive if you will but the later season birds the birds that are coming in from from after being blasted and all that stuff man they're so damn smart bro it's it's crazy dude that's what it's i've crazy. heard so i've done a lot of research because this year i want i wanted to try to get out there and try to do some duck hunting and so i started looking up all sorts of stuff and you know the region i'm in i'm obviously up, up here in arkansas and so um i was looking up specifically for my region like the ins and outs of duck hunting and everybody says that ducks are ridiculously smart they have they actually have good hearing that's how they actually navigate mm -hmm. and stuff um that they have pretty good eyesight but they're just really intuitive and i was like that's freaking crazy to think about because you know dove are you know i mean they're birds and, and they're somewhat smart but you know they'll flow right in front of you if you're in the right spot but i heard duck were a lot more picky on where they'd come in and stuff like that and uh to me i guess it's kind of intimidating um but i don't know i just i, I need to get out there and that's one thing when i was asking about the identification and stuff because you know if you can't id it and you're shooting around birds like i'm i'm not gonna try to shoot a bird that's out of season or anything like that so the, the, the thing that's kind of well Duck hunting in and of itself, like the decoy spreads, how to set them up, how many you need, all that stuff, that can that can be kind of daunting to figure out. And then you have mm -hmm. the calls, how many do you need, how how to blow it properly, all that. And then to add into that, like each species has its own individual bag limit that goes towards the overall bag limit. Mm -hmm. So you have to be on point with your with your ID, like in the, especially yeah. in the heat of the moment, because. Like redheads, I don't know if they've they've adjusted their bag limits, but they used to be two per person per day whenever we were hunting on the coast. And uh, these are federally regulated. It's not by state; it's federally yeah. regulated. And so this is like I think for, I think it's for every state. This these are the limits. And yeah. so if you and and redheads look kind of similar to a canvas back. Yeah. And they have their own limit. And so it's just so if you're not careful, like it can easily get mixed up and then and then also do you have like hybrids which are are crazy too <laughs> and then and then you have like like uh like black ducks they look kind of like a mallard hen like there's just little nuances that make them so hard to tell apart sometimes so the the best thing that you can do especially as a new hunter is if you don't know if you're not sure as much as you want to pull the trigger do not pull the trigger yeah like if you are if there's any shadow of a doubt don't do it and this and it's all and it's good to go with some if there's it's good to go with, like it's good to have a mentor someone who knows what they're doing because they can show you they can stick and kind of like shorten that learning curve a little bit um but dude it's it it is it is really really tough man and then like you get super excited and you start seeing what you want to see and it may mm -hmm. not be what you're what you think it's going to be and it's it's just it's crazy it's it's and I, but to me that's like part of the fun of duck hunting you just never know man you just never know you're just chilling you're just hanging out all you see is, next thing you know you see a buffalo head just rocketing across the bay or like some like cinnamon teal or like whatever red um gr uh, green wing teal just coming in i mean it's just it's just crazy you just you just never know what you're gonna see it's a yeah. lot of fun man see i feel like identification for me really won't matter because i'm such a crappy shot 
that <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to be close to my bag limit on any species. So I think I'll be all right there. <laughs> but you're in Arkansas. So mallards are probably going to be y'all's biggest thing. Yeah. I think you can get like five or six mallards. I can't remember what the bag limit is, but you can only have so many drakes to so many ends. Yeah. But I mean, a green, if you see a green head with the yellow bill, you're probably in pretty good shape. Yeah. And, and, and that's, you know, that's, you know, the one off where there's a lot of them that look similar, but those, I mean, that's telltale. Um, but I mean, I guess I just need to get out there and do it. Cause when it comes to dove, I, you know, mid flight, I'd be able to tell if it was a white tip, if it was a white wing, if it was a morning dove, it was an Inca dove, it was a Eurasian dove. Yeah. Like I could tell all that in flight. Granted dove, their sizes vary quite a bit. Like the Eurasian is going to be bigger than the morning. The morning's going to be bigger than the Inca. Yeah. Um, you can't shoot Inca dove. Those are considered songbirds, aren't they? Um, so there's mm -hmm. a dove, they vary in size. Are ducks the same way or are they all pretty yeah. much around the same size? Like okay. your teal or like somewhere like that, maybe. Mm -hmm. And then you have your pintails that are pretty, pretty big. Canvas backs are pretty big. Mallards, especially up north, can be pretty damn big too. But um, they do vary in size. The silhouette against the sky will look different. Like a mallet, like a pintail, they'll mm -hmm. kind of have like a long neck, and their their tail comes to a really fine point. So they're they're kind of they're kind of easy to 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 uh, point out also. Teal, you know, they're pretty much teal because of how small and how fast they are. Fast they, they usually, yeah. you know, they usually do. They're super. They're like little rockets, yeah. and uh, they stick together in, in some pretty good flocks too. So just kind of, and then and then redheads. Honestly, dude, if you come to Texas, like you're guaranteed pretty much redheads, and they're they're kind of dumb. Like it, it's great. We were, we were picking up decoys one time, and dude, they're still landing in our spread. It's just like, Why you're picking hell? them up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're like, wait, like, you're oh, taking shit. my girlfriend away. <laughs> yeah, dude, it, it was crazy. Like, it, like northern shovelers. It's just, it's just like anything else. It's just the more time that you spend in the blind, and like, and and like, actually take time to observe and stuff. You'll 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 pick it up pretty quick. Yeah. So have y'all both it, only ever hunted on the Texas coast for duck? I've done coasts. That's mm. why I, I haven't been back to the coast. I I do want to get back there out there this year. Uh, but I've been hunting some lakes up here in North Texas. Um, I got a, I actually got a spot out here at a local lake, which is a raffle only spot. So I was fortunate to win that. So I've been going there. And then there's also some public land that I go to as well. And it's cool because they have different walk-in ponds you can go to. You can you can actually camp out there and you can sleep and stuff, and then wake up and walk straight to the lake, and you can set up and stuff like that and, and hunt your ducks, which. It's it's funny because nice. I actually have a really, really funny story. It's it's more of like a heartbreak. Probably my first heartbreak of the year. Um, of I shot a wood duck out there. That thing was mm -hmm. beautiful, and I, wood ducks are probably one of my favorite. I think pintail by far is my favorite. Wood ducks are just beautiful birds too, as well. Um, so we set up me and my buddy, the one who likes to shoot coots. We he uh <laughs> we. We set up the night before, like, all right, we're going to hunt this side uh, of the lake. So we brushed it in, and then in the morning we got up. Well, it was part of daylight savings, and I, I for sure thought that I set my clock up correctly. But mm -hmm. when I went to the – there's an outdoor annual app for Texas Parks and Wildlife, and it'll tell you the sunrise and sunset. Well, I didn't adjust for that, so I set my clock accordingly. And when I did, I was, of course, an hour late. So we woke yeah. up and I'm like, oh damn it. Like the sun's already up. I'm like, dude, we're late, man. We're we're 
way too late. Like, and so we we hustle out there. I'm running. I'm throwing decoys out. Um, and he was like, "Oh, we're good. We're good, Papa." That's how you need it. <laughs> we're good, Papa. I'm like, "No, bro, we're late." I'm telling you, get your ass in that dang stand. And so uh, we finally get set up. And first thing that comes in the wood ducks, and I smoke one. I I take him out. He hits hard, and I'm like, "All right, cool." It it was so late. I didn't even get time to put my waders on. So I'm just out there, <laughs> okay. and I'm out there in some dudes in basketball shorts, and I'm like, "Dude, whatever, man. Like, I'll I'll get them later." So we're sitting there, and then some teal come in. And I I take one of those, and they're kind of together floating together so i'm like all right let me go gather these two together biggest mistake i've ever done i don't know why i didn't do it but i didn't bring my gun with me when i went to go grab him and when i went and mind you this bird's head was down he was floating I'm like he's surely he's dead and as soon as i went to go grab him it's just like from a horror movie like eye opened like jurassic park like head popped up and he just takes <laughs> off flying. And I'm like, no, oh, no. Man. So I'm yelling at my buddy. I'm like, I'm like dude, I'm like, shoot him, shoot him. I'm yelling at him. And he's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> By the time he realized what I'm talking about, this bird's already on the other side of the lake. Where some, where some other guys are. When these other guys are set up and they, they smoke them and they take them out and they're cheering. I'm like, oh. Dude, that was my bird, man. Like, <laughs> I've been wanting a wood duck for so long, and that was it. And uh, he was probably bandit too, dude. It was. He <laughs> was. You imagine it was nice. I've been. I would have stopped hunting. I would have stopped whatsoever. I would have sold everything. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but now it was. It actually turned out for the best because it was a kid out there. He was probably like fourteen or mm. fifteen, and it mm. was his first wood duck. So he was so happy. And I'm like, you know what? It's it's cool, you know. Um, hey, come back got... around for you. Yeah, mm-hmm. no doubt. And I'm like, you know, at first it's that sour moment, like, God, dude, that's my bird, man. Like, he, I, I gave him to you, you know, essentially. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know what? This kid probably has a moment in his life now. He's gonna look back and cherish. Like, I remember when I shot my first wood duck, and he might, you know, spread generations gone from there. So, yeah. It works out. It works out. That freaking sucks, though. Yeah, I've uh, that does suck. <laughs> I've lost a few dove that same way. Hell, I remember one mm-hmm. time I was, I don't remember how old I was, probably like 21, 22, and uh, I was out at my buddy's property out there in Mejia, and uh, one night we decided we wanted to go out uh, bullfrog hunting and rabbit hunting. And so we're we're walking around his property, and it was me, my buddy Daryl, who you actually might know. I think y'all went to school together. Um, Daryl uh, Burl. I think so, yeah. Yeah, and so and then uh, our our mutual friend Russ, and so we're out there at his property in Bahia, and um, we're walking around his pond, and there's this bullfrog, and I shot the bullfrog, sweet, picked it up, and we're still walking around, and we come around the, the other side of the pond, and there's uh, some old cedar trees there, and uh, this freaking rabbit comes out, and so I shot the rabbit, and I was like, gun, frog, gotta get this rabbit, cool. So I put the frog in my pocket. Right, just kind of shove it in there because I was wearing these carpet pants. And, yeah, so I shoved this bullfrog in, in my little side pocket, and I go to pick up the rabbit. When I pick up the rabbit, the freaking frog, like the frog had been dead for you know five ten minutes, and I go to pick up the rabbit, and the frog jumps out of my damn pocket and hops straight into the pond. I'm like, 
the hell where'd the frog go you know and so i was kind of pissed off. i was like man some bullshit like i was gonna eat it like dude it was a fat bullfrog and i was like dude those frog legs are gonna be so good and it hopped back in the pond and i was so pissed off i was like damn it but at least i had the rabbit well that next morning i woke up and this is when i was first learning how to fly fish and i was still actually using that uh cabela's fly rod that jose gave me for me to learn on and i was out there fishing for brim in that little pond and i looked down and i see that bullfrog sitting like five feet away from me and i could see like the pellet holes where i had shot it you see like flesh no sticking out of the legs i was like that's that freaking bullfrog and so i jumped in the pond and i grabbed it and this was uh my daughter was probably seven at the time and she wanted to take a picture with this bullfrog and so i'm holding her and i'm holding the bullfrog here i have this picture of her and she's like leaning away terrified of this thing but it was a massive <laughs> bullfrog but i ended up catching it and then i was like well i mean it's already the next day we're about to leave i'm not gonna have time to cut it up and cook it or nothing so i just i released it back in the pond and i said it got away from me it deserves to live but yeah. dude, i was so, i was so pissed i was like i had like it was literally in my pocket and it got away that bastard <laughs> <Pocket> <laughs> <laughs> yep. dude this 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 story is gonna be a little bit graphic so i apologize but so we were out <laughs> duck hunting in corpus corpus christi bay one time and it was a pretty slow day man we're just there it, it not many birds were flying and uh we finally had a group of redheads come in and so we knocked maybe two or three down and uh but one of them was still kind of it's, it was still pretty green when we got to it so my buddy was trying to like you know, dispatch it, ring its neck, all that stuff. And he thought he had it. So we walked back to the blind and we're just sitting there and, and he has a, the bird on the ground and the bird's just like, it looks dead. I thought it was dead. We all thought it was dead. And so we're just there, just chilling, waiting, waiting, waiting. No more birds were coming. And uh, that same guy, he's like, man, I gotta go, I gotta go take a leak. So he walks to the other side of the little island and dude, like, as soon as he left, that freaking bird came back to life and it just got in the water and was like swimming away. And his head was like all leaning to, to one side and it was just going. <laughs> We're like, dude, what the hell? We called it the zombie bird, man. And so my buddy's like, shoot it, shoot it. I was like, bro, it's, it's 10 feet away. I'm going to destroy that thing. So we, I let it get a little bit out and, I, and then finally just dusted him. And uh, it was, it was, it was good that it was, it was done that time. My buddy was looking, he goes, dude, you, this is your bird. And I was like, oh, hell no, that ain't my bird. That's yours. <laughs> I don't want that one. <laughs> uh, oh, man, man, those, those divers, man, those divers can get They're crazy. Tough, dude. Well, that like, I've had plenty of birds where I've shot and then you go get them and then you never see them again. Mm -hmm. They're gone. And, uh, unfortunately I heard, I've heard it's of dogs, wild, man. Yeah. I've heard of dogs actually dying because they're chasing birds. They get so mm -hmm. tired from chasing divers that they'll go looking for birds and they get exhausted. And then they go out there in um, too deep of water and they get mm -hmm. so, you know, tied up in it. And some, sometimes they just, you know, drown, unfortunately. So, um, Dude, yeah, they can sad. get, they can get dangerous. And yeah. I, I would say definitely too, I read an article the other day of how dangerous duck hunting can be. Um, Unfortunately, a dude in Oklahoma, he was going to retrieve a bird and his, I guess he, it's, it's, it's weird, weird, weird too. Cause once you get in that mud and that muck, you know, you can take a step mm -hmm. and you might go a foot, you might go two feet. It doesn't, you don't know how that bottom's going to go, but he stepped down and I guess he went too far and got stuck. And, um, I guess that's one thing for people going out there, learning to duck hunt is be aware. And, uh, I'd say get a, a belt for your waders too. Make sure you have a belt yeah. so that way you're, you're trapping that air in your feet. So that way, if you ever get in trouble, 
you have that air that's going to keep you up un underneath your body. Because once that water gets in there, um, I know some of them can get pretty tough to to, to navigate and swim mm. in. So definitely yeah. if you're starting on your feet. Yeah. Yep. No, that's a solid advice. And this and that's another reason, I guess, because, I mean, anytime you mix guns with anything, there's an extra level of danger that's added. But when you're doing something outdoors, you know, especially when you're around the water and duck hunting specifically, like you, like we said earlier, like the nastier the weather, the better. Weather can take a turn. You can get hypothermia, whatever. It's always good to go, like, in, in, in with another, at least another person whenever yeah. you go out there. But, but dudes going like what you're saying, duck hunting being dangerous. Have y'all heard of the, uh, the Amistice Day blizzard in the 1940s mm -hmm. that killed like 85 duck yeah. hunters or something like that? I remember that. What? Yeah. Yeah. Dude. So me eater covered the story. So apparently back in like the 1940s, <clears throat> I think it was 1940 in, in November, if I'm not mistaken, the, the, the fall had been relatively warm, which is great for everybody, but not great for duck hunting. But then they got word that there's a blizzard that's going to be pushing through, temp bringing snow, rain, drop in temperatures, all that stuff, all the stuff that makes duck hunting good. So all the duck hunters got super excited, man. They went out to the to the blinds and everything that day, and it was a warm day. I think it was like I think it was like in the 40s or 50s or something like that. Relatively warm, right? But this blizzard had come in from the Pacific Northwest. And normally, and when it crosses the Rockies, normally storms will tend to die, but it happened to have collided with some moist air from the Gulf of Mexico and I think some frigid air from, from Canada or something. It's creating like it's just a perfect storm, no pun intended, of just chaos, essentially. Dude, there was like it dropped the temperatures into the, into the single digits, maybe even the negatives. It brought a bunch of snow, a bunch of sleet. There were not like massive power outages. I mean, all kinds of crazy stuff happening. Winds, we're talking sustained winds of 40 to 50 miles an hour, gusts reaching up to 80. So these duck hunters were out there in the marsh. They were hunting. And then, of course, all this stuff that, I mean, the, the, the duck hunting just got intense. And during those times, the, the bag limits were more uh, liberal, if you will. So they were just staying out there. It's just like wrecking shop, right? probably the best day of duck hunting a lot of them ever had. So they just stayed out there. They weren't paying attention to the things that was going on. But eventually they started noticing that weather was getting really, really, really bad. And so a bunch of them started like leaving some, some boats capsized. I think others were able to make it back, but it was just a mess. Some, by the, by the time it, it got too, too bad, some hunters, like they were just stranded. They tried to make, they tried to leave, but for the wind and the waves, like we're talking like five, six foot swells and fresh water, like they just couldn't do it. And then it got so cold, some of the engines were just sputtering, not even turning over. So they were just stuck there. So they're like flipping over boats, trying to start fires and all that stuff, trying to get warm and everything. But dude, they, a lot of them didn't make it. I think there was estimates between like 50 and 85 hunt, duck hunters alone who died that day. And um, there was a, there was a pilot the next day he went out and he was like circling, right? He was going over trying to see if he could see any, any hunters. And, and if he saw one, he would like cut the engine. He would, and he would just do like a little flyby real low, see if they're okay. And if they were, he would drop like a canister of, uh, like a, essentially just some provisions. They had like a sandwich, whiskey, cigarettes, all that stuff. And then they would just, he would just like circle until, um, 
people on a boat were able to go and find him. He did this till, I mean, till the nighttime. And then he went back, refueled all that stuff, and he did it again the next day. And a lot of people were saying that dude saved his life. Something Conrad, Max Conrad or something like that was the pilot's mm. name. But, dude, it was it was insane, bro. Like That's wild. That's freaking insane. nuts. That's awesome, though. Yeah. That, you know, shout out to Mr. Conrad. That's, I mean, spending day, like a whole day, and then the next day out there saving people. But, dude, yeah. I don't even know what I'd do. Like, in that case, like, the first thing that would come to mind would be like, oh, shit, like, got to get out of here. And if you're stranded, like, trying to make a fire, but if you're thinking about it with 40-mile-per-hour winds and waves rolling in, like, dude, that would be... Everything's hard. wet. Yeah, you're you're in a wetland because you're duck hunting, you're waterfowl hunting, so it's not like you're going to find much dry land. Dude, that sounds like hell. It was wild. And then, so there was that. Like, that's, like, probably the the biggest tragedy in duck hunting history, but I read a story a couple, I don't know. It, it was fairly recent. I'd say probably within the last four years or so, I think there were these two kids, they went duck hunting and I can't remember if one of them or both of them, they didn't come back. They died in the marsh, man. Like they both overturned or, or something happened. I can't remember what. Oh dude, yeah. Like duck hunting is like, a, you, yeah, man, duck hunting is no joke, dude. It's, it's, it's crazy. There was a, uh, the people get kind of, pretty offensive too, like territorial with their own spots. There was a guy, um, a story I, I read recently where these two kids, they took this older dude's spot on public land, I guess his favorite spot and mm. got into an altercation. Well, that old man shot one of the kids, um, killed him, you know? And then wow. I want to say, if I can remember correctly, I think that kid shot him too. It was it was a it was a mess. But yeah, it, stuff yeah. can get crazy too. I mean, there's a lot Jesus. of guys. Um, even whenever I was doing this raffle hunt for this this spot out there in this lake, um, so I went up there with a couple buddies, and they got two spots. And there's like thirty spots for this lake that you can win. And then once you win the raffle, you got to pay for it. Um, I think it was like 200 bucks for the, for the year, which isn't bad compared to leases and stuff yeah. like that. Um, but a couple of my buddies got spots. So I was like, well, I can just roll with them this year. I don't really need a spot myself. I'll give up my, my spot. Well, they came down to the very end and I notified them. Like I was the very last pick. I got chosen and I told them like, Hey, give it to somebody else. I already got a spot to go to. No big deal for me. Um, let somebody else win it that hasn't gone because i saw there was a, a guy there with some kids and i was like i want to give him a fair shot at winning this you know well he showed up a little bit late to the start so he wasn't even entered at all and whenever i had mentioned that man the, it was those older guys they're probably 60 70 years old they were they were mad they were living they were you know, like you know they were here late you know and mind you these guys have probably hunted their whole lives and there's kids here who have just want to get started and they, man, I'm telling you, they were so, so angry that I had even mentioned that to the point where I said, you know what? Never mind. I'm going to pay for this spot. I'll take this spot. And then as soon as I did, I turned around to those old men and I said, I'm going to give it to these kids just so you don't get to hunt this shit. And so <laughs> and dude, yeah. they were so mad. And he was like, well, that's not fair. I was like, I don't give a shit what you say because it's my spot now and I get to do whatever my, what I want with my spot. And I'm going to give it to these yep. kids just to make sure you, that I know you're not going to hurt that. So, yeah, but it's crazy, man, how, how, how nasty people can get, especially on public. like that. Yeah, man. I've heard like story, like you mentioned the, uh, the public blinds on the Texas coast. 
Yeah, dude. If, if it's on public waterways, it's fair game. If yeah. you're late, you're late. Like you're, you're SOL. But I've heard of people like they'll, they'll try and lock it. Like they'll put locks on them, whatever. And, um, sometimes they'll leave like decoys set around. I know I've heard a lot of guys will do that too. And kind of like mark their territory or whatever. But I mean, yeah. dude, it's, it's public land, man. And I, I've heard that like if a guy, I, I've heard, I, I don't know how much truth there is to it, but I heard if a guy finds you in one of their blinds, like even though it's public, dude, they will like, they will lay into you. They can, can get pretty nasty. And I mean, I guess I can understand it because they're trying to make a livelihood or whatever, but damn, dude, like it's, 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 they're just birds at the end of the day. Come on. Yeah, exactly. I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's wild, dude. Public land in general is crazy. Public, public yeah. is crazy, man. Public's definitely, I've, I've been peppered before. Um, oh yeah, it's always it's always a joy. It's always a new adventure. You never know where you're going to see that thing too. <laughs> you know? So, dude, yeah, public's funny. It's fun, but it's you got to be careful for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. You always want to make sure you tell somebody where you're going to be if you're, oh, yeah. especially yeah. if you're not going with somebody. And even if you are going with somebody, let somebody else know where you're going to be because you never know exactly. what happen. You can run into some yahoo out there, or you know, the storm could come in. I mean, you never know. So it's always yeah. good practice to you know. Let yeah. people know where you're going to be. Yeah. So y'all both have only ever duck hunted on marshland. So I was looking at uh, Arkansas's, you know, the ins and outs of, of duck hunting here. And I didn't realize that there was so much of a history, um, whether it be duck history or human history of, you know, how things kind of propagated for Arkansas to be the, the duck hunting capital of the world. And um, so here it's not marshland which there, there is some marshland, but it's man-made. But a lot of it was just uh, lowlands with, like, forested wetlands and stuff like that. So um, a lot of the hunting areas here have a lot of hardwoods, so you'll find a lot of red oaks and white oaks and stuff, and then it's been flooded. And so before they started building all the levees and stuff in, in the early 19, or I think it was 1920s, they started building levees on the Mississippi River. It was just floodland, and it would, like, heavily flood for about a third of the year. And it's a natural way down, it's the Mississippi Flyway. So there's four flyways for ducks. And so there's the uh, Eastern Flyway, which goes basically from Canada down to, I think, the Caribbean. Then there's the Mississippi Flyway, which goes from Canada in the center down almost towards, like, to uh, Louisiana. And then there's the Central Flyway, which is a little bit, you know, more towards the middle of the U.S. And then there's the Western Flyway, which is the same thing from Alaska down to Mexico. And so in the middle of the Mississippi Flyway, it's the Mississippi, you know, River uh, drainage area and I think it's like 1.5 million square miles or something like that which I didn't know that it's third to like only the Nile and the Amazon so I was like wait that's freaking crazy to you know a comparison of uh, the the Mississippi River here in comparison to that but it's basically like this geographical geological you know funnel for all the the birds to come in and the mallards particularly like it here um, so when you said that Arkansas is more for mallards, I was like, yeah, I read that. So I just thought it was pretty cool that how all that came to. And then what they started doing is they started clear cutting these trees because you have nothing but, you know, uh, bottomlands with a nothing but hardwoods. Like you can't do anything there. There's no agriculture there. You can't build there. So they started clear cutting all this stuff. And then people started realizing like that's perfect land, flood land, to where if you build a levee, you can keep it flooded and grow rice there. And so in the summer times when they're growing rice, the ducks just absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. And so since it's right in the middle of that Mississippi flyway, like I guess that's how it started becoming, which is the ducks would always be here, but then they started making it a little better. So there's, there's more agriculture and then there's more ducks coming in for that reason. And I was like, huh. So I was finding out a little bit more about that, growing grains and rice. And um, 
there's the White River, the Black River, the St. Francis River, and the Mississippi River are all kind of in that area. So there's a lot of water that comes into it. And uh, so the ducks just absolutely freaking love it here. Um, in the 1940s, I guess, when people started clear-cutting all that property, then there was like little pockets of just hardwoods that nobody could do anything with. And so um, Arkansas Game and Fish started going out and actually trying to buy this property, and they were buying it for extremely cheap because nobody could do anything with it. And then as years have progressed, all those other areas that were clear-cut have been built up, and there's all sorts of stuff you know, being built there, and it's being used for other agricultural purposes. So now these spots that are, you know, multi-million dollar properties that everybody would want. Uh, they just got super cheap in the 40s. And so now they're like, you know, around the Stuttgart area and stuff like that. So I think maybe when I try to go out for my first time, I might try to find somebody that has actually hunted in the in the area before and try to go out and, you know, learn some tips and tricks. But I think most likely that Delta area is probably be the going to be the place that I go because it's, you know, closer to me than going down to the Texas coast. But I'm excited <laughs> to try to figure it out over there. Absolutely. Dude, a, a, a timber stand hunt is one of my, like, like lifetime hunts that I want to experience, man. Same. It's a dream right there. We should make yeah, it happen. Dude. We'll do we'll, yeah, I, we'll yeah. do that for sure. Let's, we got to make that happen. <laughs> uh, I got some guys. I'll, I'll try to get some tips and tricks and people that have done it up here, and uh, I'll invite y'all up, and we got to go. Yeah, dude, that's, that's, the, that's the honey hole out there, the whole thing. Oh, it's yeah. funny. It's funny too, because uh, so I think it was opening day out here, and I'm blowing my duck call, and it's it's just sticking, man. It's sticking. It's not working right. I sound like an idiot, and uh, I'm like, "What's going on?" And my friends are laughing at me, like, "Dude, you suck. Just put that thing down." So <laughs> <laughs> it's it's bad, and I'm even questioning myself. I'm like, "Dude, what's wrong with me?" Like. I, I sound like a dying duck out here. Like it's it's horrible. <laughs> so he got the bronchitis. Yeah, he got the bronchitis. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so I go online and I'm looking at reeds so I can replace the reeds inside this call. And uh, I remember I sent it to to my wife. I was like, hey, can you? Cause she, I'll just send her stuff. Like, hey, can you order this for me? And like, I don't know. I just just do it that way. I don't even shop anymore. Just like, just buy this for me. You're the you're the pro at this. Amazon, you know, queen. So you, you do this for me. So I sent it to her and she bought it for me. And, uh, I remember it came in and it's funny cause she, she'll look at the card too, like our, our, uh, like our finances and stuff It you know, we'll go through it and she'll look at it and she's like, Max wings. Did you, did you go get wings without me? <laughs> cause that was, that, that's like, that's like our thing, right? Like we just love getting wings. So we, our first date was at pluckers. Right. So uh, that's always our, that's always our big thing. Like whenever people think about going on dates, like, you don't go to Texas roadhouse. Like, no, we're going to pluckers. That's a, that's a, that's a date night for us, you know, for sure. So when she saw Max Prairie wings, that's where I got my reads from. That's, you know, the staple out there in Stuttgart. Um, she's like, you went and got wings without me. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? And she's like, you went to max max wings. I was like, no, that's, <laughs> that's, the, that's the duck honey. That's, the duck, that's where you bought the reeds for me. And she's like, Oh, she's like, I was about to get so mad at you that you went and got wings. without me. <laughs> Dude, that's hilarious. So of all the wings places, what, so, What's your favorite? So in your area, you got what? Pluckers, you got Wingstop. 
There's that. Is there that wing place still over there by Casa Garcia's by the HEB? Is that place still there? There's a wing place there. Yeah. Because there's the there. subway on the, on the same side as HEB, right? On the same strip. Yeah. And then directly across yeah, yeah. that subway is where the Casa Garcia's was. And then there's like the mm-hmm. Taekwondo Dojo. There was a wing place there when I lived there. I don't remember <sighs> what it was called. Uh, to me, it wasn't very good, so it might not even be open anymore. But what is your favorite wing place, Chris? Man, I got to say Pluckers, man. I got to say. Which it's, well, Pluckers for sure on the daily, right? Mm-hmm. I, I can't do Buffalo Wild Wings. Like, their their Buffalo sauce, to me, just tastes like dye. Like, it doesn't yeah. even taste like Buffalo, mm-hmm. I guess. But uh, mm-hmm. it's funny because there's this one place in Virginia when I was out there for school um, for the Navy, and it's called Peck and Pour. Well, what they do is is they bake the wings first, got them to their temp, and then they fried them. So, like, they were just... Those are probably the best wings I've ever had. But really? when it comes down, to, yeah, they were amazing. Like you got the crisp, you got the flavor, everything was on point. But I would say for everything, definitely fuckers. For sure. What about you? Spicy Jose? lemon pepper. <sighs> Dude, oh, spicy lemon pepper is probably one of my favorite. That and Gold Rush. Yep, go, that's my favorite. I love uh, Gold Rush. Gold, yeah, Gold Rush and the Dr. Gold pepper Rush is so one. good. good. Dude. <laughs> I don't think I've ever tried Dr. Um, I think Gold Rush is my favorite from Pluckers, though. Man, I haven't been to Pluckers in a long time. I do I do like Pluckers wings, but I got to tell you, man, I think right now my favorite wing joint is probably Twin Peaks. <laughs> they got some killer wings, dude. The I've spicy Thai no chili, from Twin Peaks. Yeah, bro, so good. Huh. Yeah, the spicy. If you, if you got it, dude. And they're, they're, they're massive, bro. The drums and the, and the wings, are, they're huge. So like you get a good portion, you get a lot of meat, the sauces and everything. They're they're on point. The spicy Thai chili is my favorite. That's always it's a so pet good, peeve man. for me. Whenever you go to a wing spot and they got the little tiny like little dove wings, you're like bro, what is this? Yeah, <laughs> dude. No man, you don't get that at Twin Peaks. I I I've, I I used to not like going to Twin Peaks only for the beer because they're always cold. But dude, those wings are actually really damn good. Those are my favorite wings. I think <laughs> every right time now. I go to Twin Peaks, I get the the loaded nachos. They're so freaking good. You gotta try the wings, bro. My, uh, I think my favorite wings. Y'all gonna hate me for this. Probably Wingstop. Wingstop. <laughs> I don't know, man. dude. Wingstop I don't know what sucks, it is, dude. I love Wingstop's wings. Well, okay, bro, let me trash. let me. I like the lemon Sorry. pepper. The lemon <laughs> pepper. <laughs> <though. laughs> they're lemon pepper. The fries. Okay. The, the, I think what pisses me off about Wingstop the fries. They suck. yeah, their fries aren't that good. <laughs> they're super soggy yeah. and salty. They're just terrible, man. So, so I'm gonna I'm I'm <laughs> I'm gonna say another unpopular opinion here. I prefer boneless, right? I like chicken nuggies, mainly Great because nuggies. I just I just get a fork, you know. I get those chicken nuggies, and so the honey barbecue chicken nuggies and the mango habanero boneless wings from, oh, ma- from Wingstop are so good. With that being said, I'm not the biggest fan of their bone-in wings. And so if I am opting for bone-in wings, it's either going to be Pluckers or it's going to be Buffalo Wild Wings. Um, but for simplicity, if I just, especially if I'm going to be eating on the road, because I'm on the road so freaking much, and on Mondays and Tuesdays, it's 70-cent boneless wings, that's what I'm going to go for. I'm going to stop and get me 30 wings, get a fork, and just eat them <laughs> on the road. So I think it's more of a simplicity thing for me. Um, so, yeah, I think Wingstop. And then pluckers, then buffalo wild wings. 
But if I'm going for bone-in, it's going to be Pluckers or Buffalo Wild Wings, which sucks because we don't have Pluckers here in Arkansas. And I had a mm-hmm. Buffalo Wild Wings two minutes from where I live, and it closed down. And so the nearest one is almost an hour away now. Dude, in College Station, we have this place called Wings and More. There's mm-hmm. several there's several locations. Some are better than others. I, I want to say that's what the one in Kyle was that I was talking about. Oh, if they went out of business, because I, I haven't seen them. But, um, dude... I went there one day for lunch and the wings pissed me off so much because they were, they were disgusting. They were bad. I was like, I was so disappointed when I got home from work. I went to HEB, bought my own damn wings and I cooked them myself because <laughs> I wanted wings so bad. But dude, they were just, they were terrible, bro. At, at least at that one location because I went to a different location with some friends and their wings were a lot better that time. But dude, I was, I was irate. I was like, are you freaking kidding? They wasn't, they weren't cheap. Wings are, wings are not cheap. But dude, they pissed me off. On the on the upside, I learned how to cook wings after that. So I was, I was it was a learning experience. That was the first time I cooked wings. I was so mad I went out and cooked my own damn those wings. Were, for uh, the first time. Those were coot wings. But, <laughs> probably. <laughs> I should have ate the plant. <laughs> that's, that's why they gave you the celery. <laughs> oh dude, I can't I can't stand celery. Neither can man. I, man. I can't that's, either. I'm, dude, I'm not a I'm not a picky person. Like the, there's there's very few things that I won't try or won't eat. Celery is one of the things that I won't eat. I I don't know what it is about it. I people tell me it doesn't taste like anything, but to me it has a very particular taste, and I'm not fond of it at all. I do not like. I don't it. either. To me, it's a very mild green. Like I don't know how else to describe it. Green. It's a green taste. It, it's like it's like a very mild grass flavor. It's passive, but I like it. It's passive aggressive grass. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what it is. <laughs> but hey, you throw some peanut yeah. butter on it, maybe some raisins, make a little cute boat. You know, <laughs> the ones I eat are too aggressive. They need to be more passive, man. They're it's nasty. like uh, it's like if like, I like celery. If Lacroix was a plant or a vegetable, it'd be celery. Oh, dude, I can't stand <laughs> Lacroix. Dude, I remember the first time I had Lacroix. I was working for AT and T in Austin at the time, and this was in the dead of summer. It was like 110 degrees, and Back when they first started doing fiber optics in Austin, they engineered it. Like now, now I am a fiber optic engineer, so I can say this out of experience. The way that they engineered it was shit. And so you would be running a drop to hook up a customer that would be 1,800 feet sometimes. And I remember I was over in Westlake area running this fiber drop, and it was hot as hell that day. I'd already been busting my ass. I think I got to that job at like two in the afternoon. It took me a few hours. Finally get the the drop to the house and I'm wrapping it underneath the house and they had it was like a, a split level house and so they had a, a balcony and I was running it underneath it and there's a wasp nest that I didn't see under one of the rafters and I was stapling the the drop or the actually it was the home run going around underneath the deck and those wasps just lit me up on the back of my head. So I was already hot as hell, dehydrated, and then I got lit up by freaking red wasps and it was just not a good day. And so I had this bad headache and I just don't feel good. And I get everything inside and then the customer was like, Hey, do you want a LaCroix? And I was like, I've never had one, sure. And you know the the cans all you know colorful and everything. Yeah. And dude, I put this thing in my mouth and it was took everything in me not to spit it out. It tasted and felt like I just licked an old tube TV, freaking static on my tongue, it tasted horrible. I was like, These people are trying to poison me. That shit was so disgusting. I cannot stand LaCroix. Carbonated water took a long time for me to warm up to. That's I can drink it, yeah, like I can drink a, drink a Topo Chico oh, yeah. fine Those are money. Uh, Don't bother me. I can drink a LaCroix. It don't bother me. But mm-hmm. yeah, it took me a, for the longest time, man. I just I couldn't do it. 
I don't know what it was about it. I just couldn't do it. I didn't like the way the carbonation felt in my mouth, I guess. Yeah. Just, it was just weird. I did. I, I would not touch them, but now they don't bother me. I can't I don't do mind it. I can't all. do seltzers either. Went from drinking water hoses as kids, and now we can't drink carbonated water. <laughs> Dude, even to this day, I'll still take a freaking dirty ass water hose water over a carbonated water. Bro, but don't you remember those days in, in the when you were a kid playing football in the yard? That water hose water just hit. The yeah, Dude, you got to make sure it was cold first, was. though, because that first hot gets you, and it. Yeah, <laughs> That's you're true. done for. You got to let it run. You're done, <laughs> Yep. <laughs> And I'm, I miss drinking yeah. out of the water hose. Simpler times. Simpler times. Simpler times. I get looks from my neighbors when I do it now. Right. <laughs> yeah, I found that wing place I was talking about. It's still open. It's called Wicked Wings. Huh. Right there next to Wicked AGB. Wings. It's, it's no, not never, that great. They never yeah. tried their stuff. Yeah, it's it's not that great. I'm surprised they're still open, to be honest. But, um, yeah, I know that there was a lot of people. They had a lot of good beer specials. I think at one point they had, mm-hmm. like, 50 Cent Dose or, like, dollar. It was, like, Dollar Dose Tuesdays or something like that. And so people go in for it. <laughs> I mean, hell, I'd go in. I wonder how big you can get with getting in with the wing. Like, like for instance, like a crane wing. If someone's ever made a, a giant fried crane wing. That would be really good. I'd be down to try it. Yeah. I would be too. I, I'd imagine they'd be really lean though. Those things are, they fly a long ways. Probably pretty tough too. I don't know. That'd, that'd be kind of huh. interesting though. Or just something different like that. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd try it. Yeah, I would too. Yeah. Maybe like an exotic. Like, so it sounds like, like we need to we need to go get some ribeye of the sky and try it. Yeah, no doubt, <laughs> dude. That's that's another hunt. That's another hunt that I, I really want to go on and experience one time, one day. Is some going to Sandhill Crane Hunt in the in the, uh, the Panhandle of Texas. It's different, man. I I, uh, I was fortunate, so I had won a hunt. Um, I was lucky enough to get picked for a hunt from Cover Six Outdoors. They're a nonprofit that they uh, they take vets out and stuff like that. So I went out with them for the opener of teal season out in the um, the Mallard Management, which is Zone A out there out west. So they do it a week before the veterans of my zone, which is essentially two weeks before opening day. So we went out there. Um, we shot a couple birds. But I went out there with uh, with Flatland Outfitters, really good guys. Uh, um, Wes and Mav took care of us. And actually, I do want to kind of give a real quick, if we can, just a real uh, a prayer for y'all out there listening to. So one of their owners um, was involved in a head-on car accident. And he's, he's slowly making it, but for sure, if y'all can keep in, him in y'all's prayers, for sure. Um, I know those guys are, you know, Taking it, you know, it's it's rough. You know, that's that's one of their best friends and stuff like that. And coworkers, you know, they go out to grind and stuff like that. So definitely, if y'all can, just keep them in your prayers for sure. Um, but, yeah, those guys, they took care of us. Um, they actually had us come back out as a revenge tour to go and, and shoot some crane. And those birds are so weird. They're just like ducks. Like, they may be one place in one day, and then the next day they're gone. You know? And it's, it just depends where they want to eat. But I tell you, um, mm-hmm. I went out there last week with one of my other buddies, Ben Wooster, with Shin Deep Outfitters, um, out in Abilene. And when you're in those in those uh, layout blinds, and you're you know all you have is a mesh right in your face, and you're kind of wrapped up, and you're laying you know on your back, and you just see the sky, and you can just hear them. 
you can hear their, you know, they're screaming and something about out there in, in West Texas in that area, it's like that sky is just so clear that these birds can be 50 to 100 yards away from you, but it sounds like they're right on top of you, just how loud they are and constant. And you'll see them too. They're flying over you and you, you know, they tell you, you know, just lay down and be still and we'll let you know, we'll call the shot, but it's, it's definitely a fun thing to do for sure. Um, highly recommend it if you haven't done it. So what's the process of that? Is it saying like, so are you waiting for them to land like you would for a duck or do you sky blast them or you have to wait till they're just above you? Like how do you even go about hunting? Kind of the same thing like a duck. So like you get there, we help set up, um, you'll put your decoys out the same thing. You can, you could probably put some geese out there as well. Cause you'll get speckled bellies that run out as well. Um, but you set it all up, same thing. You'll call just like a duck. Um, and they'll come in, they'll come in, they'll, they'll try to land too. And that's when you'll kind of take them, but they'll circle. They'll do the same thing as a duck does. They'll circle around, try to do a couple passes and then they'll finally commit. Um, it's kind of crazy though. What they'll do is they have some juveniles that they'll send first. It was almost like trials. Like, hey, really? go check out this place and see if it's good to eat. So they'll send the juveniles. The juveniles will come in first in the spread. And then as soon as they kind of give the okay to the rest of them, then the big birds and the more mature ones come after them. So they're like they're crazy. They're like their drones, <laughs> man. Yeah. Like go down there and check it out. See if we're good. So Dude, could you imagine nice sending your kids in somewhere that you don't know is safe? <laughs> hey, go That's check this out. Screwed. <laughs> Dude, I couldn't even imagine. Oh, my kids would probably kick my ass if I did that, though. My kids would be <laughs> fireballs. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Dude, what, what do the decoys look like? Because I've heard that they're so smart. Sometimes you have to use, like, a, essentially what are, like, stuffed um, sandhills. They need like the feather and the movement and all that stuff. They like need a realistic. Decoy. Oh yeah, there's these things are like legit. They're they're same height. There's same structure. Everything paints matched like very detailed to the T. Um, but yeah, they're they're smart birds too. If they don't like something, they'll flare. You know, and that's kind of what we were seeing too. Like you try to get out and see what's what's going out there, what they see, and it's hard because like I said, if they don't like something, they're not gonna. They're not going to commit. Um, but it's wild, though, because when you do shoot one, you know, that's when the dogs have the, the goggles on their eyes because they'll fight those birds. And those birds will try to – that's the first thing they go for for a dog is they'll try to poke their eye. Um, but you'll see, you know, the guys go out there and they got baseball bats, and that's how they – instead of wringing their neck, now there's, <laughs> they're, they're hitting dingers with these birds. <laughs> dude that's freaking nuts dude yeah. there's a uh there's a grad there's a grad student in kingsville she was when she was there she was working on a uh a crane project and so i, I can't remember I, I think she said they had like these uh like net guns so they'd get them in and they'd shoot the net guns and they have to go on like get them out of the net she's like dude you got to be careful man because those things like their beaks are super sharp yeah like the first thing they go for is the eyes so like you have to, a lot of them work safety for like like goggles or glasses whatever and then they have these massive feet dude they all like when they come back from field work they're all scratched to shit dude these things are gnarly yeah those things are super sharp and even the juveniles too those things are massive um their wingspans are crazy you know and 
they call them big old pterodactyls, but yeah, no doubt they're they're crazy. That's insane. Yeah, I saw the picture that I think you posted holding one up, and I was yeah. like, God, a freaking wingspan on that thing is like six feet. And that was a juvenile. That was a little dude. They get wow. bigger than that. That's crazy. What is your like setup look for for cranes versus ducks? So ducks, I'm usually running like number four for ducks. Crane number two. Um, some people run BB. It just depends on what you want to shoot. Um, but I was shooting three inch, three and a half inch. Yeah, it's usually three and a half or three. Um, I think I was shooting an improved modified of mine. Um, you know, but some guys get better chokes and stuff like that for sure. Um, but yeah, number two or BB, what you're solid with, which is actually a funny thing too. Um, going back to the BB, so that duck hunt I talked about with these birds on the wall out there in Corsicana. Um, I remember I was, I was still kind of fresh. Um, and when I went to the store to pick up some rounds, when I figured out I won that hunt, I grabbed two boxes of number four. And I guess there was a BB next to it. So I grabbed that BB on accident and I didn't realize it. So after I went through um, those boxes, I grabbed that BB. And here I am trying to shoot birds. I'm like, what is wrong with me? Until I realized, like, dude, I'm shooting freaking cannonballs at these things. Like, no wonder I'm missing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, those BBs are good for, of course, like goose and, and crane and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. There's so many different variants. I mean, because you can, you can duck hunt down here. Like I got a buddy in Connecticut hunting like sea ducks and like eiders and squaws mm-hmm. and stuff. And there's a there's a YouTube video um, of a guy who goes out and shoots every single type of duck, and he he goes around like the country, Alaska to the coast and different countries to shoot every duck. But same thing with waterfowl because you can do uh, like crane. Um, geese there's even one where you can shoot a a trumpet or swan where their wingspans are like 20 feet or massive so it gets crazy there's a lot of nuts different categories and stuff so when you're shooting down there you still have to use a steel shot right or non-toxic shot yeah yeah Mm -hmm. because you're by water right right yeah makes sense. steel or bismuth or tungsten or something yeah yeah but that stuff, dude, that stuff gets expensive. It does. Dude, it does. It does. It does. So when I went dove hunting uh, in the first season this year, early season, um, uh, at the WMA, it was near a watershed, so you had to use non-toxic. And I've always just used, you know, regular shot and a lead shot. And so I went into the sportsman's warehouse that's open here, and I was looking around. I was like, why is it so much more expensive? And then I was looking, and so normally I use like a six shot for dove, and uh, or eight shot, and then in steel shot, they only had I think six shot in steel uh, for dove, and I was just like, man, I don't really want to shoot that. And then I was looking at the price, I was like, this freaking sucks. Yeah. But it was still an hour and forty five minute drive to the closest WMA for dove hunting here, and it was in a freaking watershed. And I was like, damn. So I ended up having to get it. <laughs> it's kind of weird how they size steel shot versus lead. Generally speaking, like uh, like your your steel shot. Like a size six steel shot will be roughly equivalent to a number eight lead shot. I see. So well, like that a, makes sense. There's then. like a, t- yeah, there's like a two number difference. So like a number four shot in steel will be roughly equivalent to number six in lead and such and so forth. I so see. like a, a, yeah. So for for dove, like sometimes you go to you know, the store, you see some dove loads for that are steel, and the smallest you'll see is like six, but that's like a size eight. 
I see. But uh, yeah, it's 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 weird how they do that. I don't know why they don't. So it's not like a standard thing, but right. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, that would make sense because yeah, I was looking. I was like, God, I want an eight shot, and I couldn't find <laughs> it. Then I went and asked the guy, and the guy was not very knowledgeable on ammunition. And uh, he's like, man, I couldn't tell you honestly. He said that's just what we have is what's out there, which is weird because they got so much ammo there. But now that would make sense. And then now they got all kinds of like weird stuff, man. Like Winchester had the, uh, I think it was the blind side with the, like little cubes, and they're just kind of stacked within the shell or something like that. And and they're yeah, and then like they do like weird things with the wad where it'll stay with a shot longer, so you can you can shoot further out and stuff, which is kind of iffy because. I think that might encourage more sky blasting. Yeah. yeah. That's just something I think. But yeah, man, like the ammunition stuff is gets pretty, pretty interesting. A lot of companies are trying some new things and they have like a, I've seen like, um, I forget what they're called, but they're essentially like a, like a combination load where you have like some twos mixed in with some fours. Yeah. So you get some yeah, bigger shots, a smaller shot and stuff and stuff like that. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. I bet that would be good for, you know, like like a one size fits all kind of application. Like if you're gonna go hunting somewhere and there, there's gonna be multiple species that are in season, like see how that'd be mm-hmm. a good thing. Exactly. But, yeah, because you'll you can switch on the die too. Because you might have mm-hmm. like uh, you might have some ducks come in and you hear hear some you know, Canada's come in. You're like, oh dang, let me switch to a three and a half <laughs> real quick. Oh man, but you got to be careful, dude. Like I was hunting with a buddy one time. And uh, we were, we were out there in the blind, and it was still kind of dark, right? But the birds were, I mean, like, it was just sunrise. So the sun was just coming up, and the birds were just flying everywhere. So you just hear, ka 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 And my buddy unloaded his gun, and he's just, like, reaching blindly into the bag, throwing <laughs> throwing rounds into his gun. And then we hear a boom, and then we hear another boom, and then we hear a boom. <laughs> like, one was noticeably louder. And we looked at him, and he looked at us, he goes, Holy shit, I think that was a slug. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, could you imagine if he hit a duck with a slug? <laughs> Dude. And yeah, and then and here's another piece of advice for anybody going out there. Game warrants can be sticklers about this stuff. Make sure you have no lead whatsoever. Doesn't matter if it's buckshot, don't matter if it's a slug. Make sure there are no lead shots in your duck bag. At all, that, you can get ticketed. Real I actually quick. got caught up with that. Did last year, the very last day of duck hunting. Um, so I like to take a bucket with me. I, well, I used to take a bucket with me, right? And it had the seat lid on top, you know, like the little cushion. Um, but I just carry all my rounds, whether it's duck shot, whether it was um, I had some slugs in there too, and I didn't have no buck shot. It was just slugs or or or. Uh, bird shot as far as ducks but i like to take it with me right i did because when you go out on public land and stuff like that people like to trash it out and they leave everything they leave all their trash they leave mm-hmm. you know drinks and all their shells so i would use it as a trash can for me to pick up while i'm there well it that exact same thing happened to me where you know i my my choke was good he checked on my ammo but when he checked my bucket he was like Sorry, buddy, you can't have lead with you. I'm like, are you serious, man? This is a freaking lead shot. This is a freaking slug, man. Like, you think I'm going to be shooting slug at these birds? And he's like, it is what it is. You can't have lead on your person when you're duck, when you're waterfowl hunting. So I learned my lesson. I will never take that bucket out again with me. God, that sucks, dude. Yeah. That blows. And he came at did, the did, worst Did you get a ticket or was it a, or was it a warning? 
nope, I got a ticket. And he came at the absolute worst oh, time. He came, he came like right at 7.38. So the birds were flying by this dude's head as he's talking to me. I'm just like, come on, man. You're killing me right now. <laughs> birds are flying in my spread. It feels like they do that on purpose. They do, for sure. <laughs> they pick the absolute worst times. And you're like, come on, bro. Like, you can just wait yeah, for me at the truck. Yeah, that, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, my, my buddy – I think my buddy started carrying slugs because there was one time we were um, we were duck hunting out in Port A, and we got there super late, dude. We we I mean it was already sunrise. We're like we knew we were late. We're like, well, we're already here. Let's just try. We never know. And we pull up to this blind, and dude, there's a raft of I don't know at least a hundred pintail just chilling, and we're like, holy shit! So we're throwing our our, our decoys out. We're pretty sure they weren't going to come near us, but there's always that. There's always a chance, right? So we were just there waiting, waiting, watching them. Eventually, they did get up off the water, and they did not get anywhere near us. We we're like, damn. So we're just sitting there chilling in the uh, – we're just chilling in the blind, man. And then my buddy stands up, and he looks across the bay, and he's like, holy shit. And he's a notorious, like, bullshitter. And uh, we're like, what's going on? He goes, dude, you won't believe this, but there's a massive hog coming over. We're like, no way, dude. So we stand up, and bro, this thing was a tank. It was at least 300 pounds. And it was just going right towards us. So we kind of sit down in the in the blinds, wait till it gets closer, and then we popped our head up. And at this point, it was maybe like 30 yards from us. And dude, this thing passed between us and where the jumbo, we had parked the jumbo, and the jumbo disappeared. This thing was massive. Good One of the Lord. biggest pigs I've ever seen in my life. Dude, it was huge. And so we tried to get down and chase it. We only had bird shot, right? Or, or steel shot. We tried to chase it, couldn't find it. A little bit later, there's a there's a group of like, I don't know, eight smaller pigs and they're coming right at us. And so we did get a couple of shots off and we drew a little bit of blood, but we have no idea where they went. We chased them. We were, we were chasing the blood, seeing if we can find them. And, and they actually led us to a group of, of, uh, of redheads that we kind of like jumped. And we were able to at least get two or three birds from that flock. So it wasn't totally empty-handed. Never did find the pig. But ever since that day, I think my buddy was carrying, um, he would keep slugs in his bag. And that's how one got snuck into his chamber during, during that little, <laughs> <laughs> little <laughs> fiasco in the morning. There. It was crazy, yeah. man. Yeah. It was wild. That's freaking It nuts. happens. I mean, <laughs> it makes sense. Like, I can see why you'd want to have slugs. But, I mean... At but, the same but time, you it's can't. toxic and you're in a waterway, so. I mm, yeah. Yep. No lead, man. Zero lead. So lead what happens zone. if you have, like, a sidearm or something? Like, are you not allowed to have a sidearm for protection? That's a good question. I now, don't you know. Can, you can when you're, like, on public for sure. Because I've asked the warden that, and he's like, yeah, you can have a sidearm with you, you know, just for, you know, special purposes. But I've always kind yeah. of questioned that, too, with lead, because. I mean, most of your fishing weights are lead. And yeah. You're tossing that in the mm-hmm. water. So why can't you throw some mm-hmm. – what happens if some shot accidentally falls in there, you know? Yeah. Well, so I, I mean, guess it's a, a, lot, of, a lot of the shot is going to be going there regardless, and it's going to stay there. Yeah. And there's right. not as many people losing their weights. So I guess I get that. Mm-hmm. But Yeah. True. Mean, but I think there was I – think, I think there were some reports. Like, so back in the day, you people could hunt with lead shot. But the thing is, like, if there was a duck that got hit and it flew off, it would succumb to, like, lead poison uh-huh. or its injuries or whatever. And then a predatory bird, like a like a buzzard or uh, whatever, would come and eat that, and it would get sick from lead poisoning, and it would die. It was like a – it was just like a, 
like a cascading thing. Yeah. So in order to kind of reduce, you know, those, those kind of fatalities, they try to incorporate this non-toxic shot or whatever, which okay. I think should probably make its way into fishing because I've questioned that too. It doesn't make sense to me, yeah. but, um, as long as they're not doing it, yeah, for that, we're know. good. Hell, I mean, you look at yeah, a lot of weights for like, uh, fly tying and stuff, beads, they're like tungsten and stuff. So they're not even, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of them aren't lead. So, I mean, fly fishing kind of seems to have a little bit less lead than conventional. It might just be a cost thing, man, because lead is very cheap compared to like copper or yeah. any of these other non-toxic metals that they use to produce ammunition, stuff like that. Bismuth, tungsten, all that stuff is crazy expensive. And, and sometimes they come in like a 10-round box for like 50 bucks. It's like, what the hell, man? It's just it's insane. And... um yeah, and then and then with rifle hunting, I know a lot of people, especially here now, they're they're trying to go more towards like copper, but it's still pretty expensive compared to lead. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't say it sound as cool. I mean, when you say you're going to pump some lead through somebody, it just sounds cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> True. <laughs> just something about the sound of hot lead. <laughs> as long as it's not in my paint, good. Right, ain't that the truth? <laughs> Lead paint and asbestos. Let's go back to the seventies <laughs> and give everybody cancer, right? Let me let me pump some asbestos <laughs> in this bird right quick. <laughs> Dude, asbestos was the freaking wonder material though. Heat resistant, strong as hell, had tensile strength. She but causes cancer. I watched the video today, they were talking about it. Really? Yeah, the dude was like let me grab I guess he was talking about uh the video was about cooking indoors versus outdoors of how Basically, men are supposed to cook outdoors. It gets them back to their, uh, you know, their, um, the roots of, um, Neanderthal you know, roots. The primal. Yeah, exactly. Primal roots. And so the guy's like, you know, I'm getting back to my primal roots. And then he's like, well, can you hand me my asbestos gloves there, Jimmy? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, what do you need those for? He's like, so I don't burn my hands, of course. Dude, lately I've been wanting, like, so I've been watching that show alone lately. And, it's just making me want to get out and do some freaking bushcraft and stuff like get out there and just cook outside and, you know, harvest something and cook it, which actually I filmed a catch and cook over at the, at the dam here in hot Springs. Um, haven't done anything with the video yet. I have the footage saved on the computer, but, um, I've just been wanting to do that. Just like get out there and cook. And then I like, I'll see these little shorts on, on Instagram reels and whatnot of, you know, guys, I have freaking tomahawk of, you know, an elk that they just got and cooking it on a freaking stone over a fire. Yeah. Like, dude, that stuff just looks so fun. We did that. We tried to do that one time when I was in, in sub school in Connecticut, like me and three of my buddies were like, man, we're not going out with anything. All we have is a bottle of whiskey. We're going to go camp out and we're only going to cook what we catch. And we fished all day. It didn't catch shit. <laughs> so needless to say, the next day we walked out hungry and hungover. <laughs> hey, but you got some stories, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Dude, a buddy of mine and I, we we're going to try and do that on the Guadalupe River because they stock it with trout and there's certain parts of it where you can keep it. And we're like, dude, we're going to go, we're going to catch some trout, we're going to make her, you know, eat some dinner, all that stuff. We had this all planned out. Dude, we didn't catch shit either. So we went to Bucky's and we got some <laughs> uh, some cans cans of soup, and that was our dinner for the night. <laughs> Damn, uh, that's, good old dude, that's why I always take dehydrated meals if I'm going to do something like that, because 
you never know. Like, I mean, you just might not catch anything. You might not kill nothing that day. So um, mm-hmm. I always try to take something. Dude, ever since I've had those peak refuel mules, dude, those things are so freaking good. Have, have either of y'all had them yet? No, I think mm-hmm. I have some in the garage. I have them in my, like, container bag, like the go bag. I dude, honestly, them. I would eat that over some, like, a lot of fast food. Like, dude, they're really? so freaking good. Yeah, like I got the the bison and ranch mashers one. It's like mashed potatoes with peas and bison and ranch seasoning. God, dude, it's so good. The freaking peach cobbler is really good. The um, berry oatmeal is good. The brownie bites are good, dude. Like all that stuff is so freaking good. Like I've never had dehydrated meals that are so good. It sounds like money. I don't know. I don't know if I ever. I don't know if I've ever had a dehydrated meal. We used to go get MREs from the Army Surplus store there. Uh, what's it called? Banana Bay over there in Austin? I f- think 51st, maybe? We used to go get some old MREs from there, and we'd eat those. But, I mean, hell, you know, MREs are <laughs> ain't nothing good in those except for that freaking orange tang and <laughs> the chocolate. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. I've, I've never had an MRE before. Really? Even even being in the military, man, not even not even one. They're they're not. I mean, they'll get you by. Their bread's like crackers, and actually, I'll I'll give you the, the peanut butter's good. The orange tang, the the orange drink that comes with it, it's basically tang. It's a little bit more bitter though. It's really good. Um, their dude, tang. I, I forgot dude, about tang. tang. It? Yep. Tang was a shit. Yeah, dude. I remember it was like a battle, a battle of uh tang and and was it Sunny D commercials? Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. Do they even make tang? I don't know. I think I it's powder it only. I haven't seen that stuff in years. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Dude, this shit was awesome. Probably had like lead in it too or something. <laughs> right. That's what made it taste so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With the side of asbestos. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah dude, I, I miss stuff like that. Yeah, that's why yeah. we're all fucked it's up. We're all right? ADHD and anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> we would drink tang out of hose water. <laughs> yeah. That's how you mix it. You got some tang powder with some garden hose water. There you go, baby. Ooh, the the drink of champions. Bring all the chism. (laughs) There was this rumor going around that uh, when I was little, I had chism, and they said I beat it. (laughs) Freaking love the Obama, man. Dude, I saw that guy on concert one time, like in live. Dude, you told me about that. That's freaking awesome. Bro, it was it was awesome, man. He was hilarious. Dude, we had uh, Tom Segura up here Highly recommend. like five minutes from where I live uh, on the 8th of December. I, w- I wasn't able to make it, but I wanted to so bad. I love Tom Segura. I want to see uh, Shane Gillis. That dude's dude, funny. that dude cracks me up. I like his impersonations. Yeah. He does a spot-on Trump impersonation. <laughs> dude, it's really good. Did you see the one, that one that he did really where he good. was talking about Trump and Biden? And he like did a, a impersonation of them both. Oh yeah, like back like, and forth. They like dude, yeah. I think I've seen that one. Yeah, that's funny. Dude, have we really been on this for almost an hour and a half? Flying, man. Dude, I feel like we just got on. That's Flying. crazy. Well, I guess that means that it's a good time to go ahead and end it out. But uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell one more story. I think you might like yeah. this, Chris. So <laughs> a lot of a lot of stuff happens in the in the duck blind, all right, but. There's this one time we're out there. I'm, I'm going to keep, I think I told you this, Russell, so I'm going to keep names. Uh, I'm not going to say names just for anonymity reasons. But it was a super slow day. We are just there chilling. I have a friend who would occasionally, well, he would he would keep a coyote call on his duck call lanyard. 
for whatever reason. And, uh, and so we're all there and there weren't any ducks flying. So he just starts wailing on this coyote call and I have a friend. I don't, he doesn't do it on purpose, but he kind of has like this, he does like this little pigeon head bob thing. <laughs> and from time to time. And so, so my buddy was wailing on this coyote call and he does this little pigeon head bob and he kind of looks at him. He goes, what kind of duck call is that? <laughs> my buddy's like, oh dude, this is for the young ducks. Like the best eating ducks. You blow this when you want them. He goes, oh man, that's pretty cool. And we're all just like trying not to lose our shit, dude. We're just there and we're like, we're just trying so hard not to laugh. And he starts looking and he's doing his little head bob and looking at us. He goes, that's not a, wait a second. That's not a duck call, is it? He was like, no, that's a coyote call. <laughs> he is this friend of mine, man. He is the smart, one of the smartest guys I've ever met in my life. But God bless him. He's a he's a little um, what's the word I'm looking for? Gullible. There you go. <laughs> that's freaking hilarious. So it was a it was a distress call. Uh, I don't know what it was. It was just some coyote, like coyote call that he had on his lanyard because he yeah yeah he had he he had seen some coyotes in the flats and so he would just. He would just keep it on this on this lanyard, and then he was just wailing on that thing. Not a what kind of duck call is that? <laughs> Me or duck. Dude, have you made any oh, lanyard, any lanyards lately? Because you used to make them out of paracord, right? Yeah, he used to, man. I, I actually, you remember my friend, uh, my friend mm -hmm. Sam and her husband mm -hmm. Thomas. I still, I still owe Thomas a duck call lanyard. <laughs> I haven't made one in years, man. I, I owe Canole one too. Dude, you used to make some sick ones. I used to make duck call lanyards. I used to make. Um, Game totes for oh, doves nice. and ducks out of paracord too. I have, I haven't made one in ages. I need to, I need to do that. I need to make them for Thomas and for uh, Canole. Canole's been slaying some ducks down south too. I don't know if you've been seeing yeah, his dude, stuff. Yeah, it's been nuts. They've been slaying them. He's been stacking them up, dude. That guy, man. One time in one hunt, if I'm not mistaken, Canole. I'm sorry if I'm lying. He shot a cinnamon teal, a blue wing teal, and a green wing teal. All drakes oh, all wow. on the same hunt. That's crazy. Those cinnamons, man. I want one so bad. I actually want to do a Mexico hunt just to go down there and slay, man. Those things are duck hunts and dove hunts too. That's sort of an experience. Yeah. Dude, I want to go to I want to go to Argentina and do some dove hunting out there. Yeah, for real. Pro. Dude, it's crazy, man. Like, you'll be shooting so much, and you'll have a guy just reloading your shotgun as fast as he can to get yeah. you a fresh one. <laughs> like, it's it's wild. I mean, thousands of rounds. It's it's just insane. I, I forgot who I was talking to. I was talking to a buddy, and he was like, you know, because the trip will cost you about $3,000, but it's the rounds. You'll easily spend three to $4,000 on rounds is to how, how much you're shooting down there. And you know, they, and you're insane. shooting so Jesus. much that you're just they're reloading for you, and you know they gotta swap guns because you'll burn out those barrels. You're shooting so much. You know I mean, that's freaking crazy, man, dude. That would be like a hunt of a lifetime. Yeah, either that, or I've always wanted to do like uh, like those British hunts where they're you know have those those little almost like little Kangol Scottish hats and the and the nice get up and mm -hmm. they got the saddlebags and the old English pointers next to you always want to do something silly like that too. yeah i've always wanted to just go to a different country and like live the way that they live and hunt the way that they hunt and just experience the way that you know indigenous people of other countries have done stuff like i would i've always thought that, that would be freaking awesome to just go and do it how they've done it historically yeah yeah i think there was a uh there's an episode of meat eater they were hunting in south america and the, but they had their bows and things like that, right? But they were hunting with a group of natives, 
And I think one of the natives used a, I can't, or somebody shot a monkey. I think it was in one of the natives there. They used like a poison dart and got this monkey. And then they ate it back at, back at camp. I was like, dude, that's freaking nuts. That's wild. I wonder what monkey would taste like. I don't know if I could eat a monkey. I, I don't think I could do it, man. Like monkeys freak me out. Bro. <laughs> Why? Primates freak me out. I don't know. Dude, because they're just like, they're so like close to being human, but they're not, yeah. you know, there's just like, like, like little mutant us. It's just, <laughs> it's, it's just, just, it's too, it's too, too similar, man. I just, I don't think I can do it, bro. Yeah. Like it, we're so, and the crazy thing is like, we're so like, we share like what, like 90 something percent of our DNA. It's crazy how much of a difference that small percentage makes from keep from like making us and making them dude. It's just, it's wow. They freak me out, bro. Even the little ones, they so freak be me kind out. kind of mentally Can't, almost like eating just, a human. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly. Yeah, dude. Like, when people keep them as pets. Like, what the <laughs> fuck is wrong with you? Of all just the things, dude. <laughs> I promise. <All> right. <laughs> dude, the thing about monkeys and, like, lemurs and stuff is they freaking, like, they're just, like, keeping a toddler. They stay the toddler behavior. So I remember one time I was paving roads out in uh, Hayes County, and we were paving a road out in, I don't remember what the place was called. Um, but it was out there by like Hamilton pool area and, uh, they, these kids were riding around on a bike and they had a freaking ringtailed lemur just like hanging out with them. And I was like, that would be pretty cool. And so I started, you know, looking into it. I was like, do you have to have a permit? Like, how do I get one? You know, I just, I, after seeing one, I thought it'd be cool. And I started looking into it and there was like all these people online saying, don't get them. Like, unless you have kids and you, you can handle the toddler age. Cause these things will, you know, be alive for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And good they just Lord. act like a three-year-old the whole time. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm good. But they're, they're just like, well, yeah, they live a long time and, but they can, they're strong, man. Dude, they, they are strong. Are. Like, do you, I don't know if y'all remember this, but there's like a woman in Austin who had like a pet chimpanzee or something. And that thing turned on her and like destroyed her face. She had to get facial reconstruction. She was never the same after that. It was a, it's wild, man. And Dude, there was that one guy that got his uh, nuts ripped off by the one at the zoo. <laughs> yeah. Like literally just reached through, grabbed them and straight ripped them off. Like, oh, dude, yeah, I dude. Even, I'm good. Bro. There's there's uh this girl I was talking to, she used to work at a zoo. I can't remember what species of primate it was, but they had like this one enclosure. And um she said that she got a call over the radio to go over to the enclosure. So she went, her and someone else. And somehow a baby raccoon had gotten into the enclosure. One of the monkeys or whatever it was caught it. And dude, like they were torturing this raccoon, bro. Like they would get one of his little fingers and just snap it off. And then they what? would like laugh the way that they laugh. And all the monkeys were just like, whatever. And then they were just doing this one by one. And, and then they, they didn't know what to do. They tried to get it back. Like some species of uh, primates will barter, they'll trade. So they're trying to trade something for the raccoon to get it back. Like bananas or whatever the case it was. That thing would not, they were, it wasn't having it. It wanted that raccoon. And so it inevitably came time for, for those people to go home. So they went home, they came back the next day and there was no raccoon. Nobody knows what happened to it. They think they ate it, but dude, these things were torturing that thing and they found it in the morning. So they worked like an entire eight hour shift in the entire time. And maybe even beforehand, by the time they noticed it, that those damn things had that little raccoon and was torturing it, bro. Like it's That's freaking nuts. nuts. So you imagine That's the wild. prime, like, like, uh, like world of the or what is it called? 
Planet uh, of the uh, Apes. Planet of the Apes. That shit happens, bro. We're we're screwed. We're done. Yeah, <laughs> hey. dude, that would suck. And they're so much stronger than we are. Dude, yeah, I I have a friend. He used to work at a uh, primate sanctuary. They have an orangutan. They had an orangutan enclosure or whatever, and they're trying to like rinse out the cage at the water hose. Somehow, this thing got a hold of one of the water hoses. And it took five grown men, like they're playing essentially tug of war with this thing. This thing had one arm and it was just doing whatever it wanted to with those dudes. Like it could not budge it. They only got the hose back because it got bored and gave them the hose back. Dude, that's. Nuts. I think I saw a video one time where like somebody got too close to an orangutan and like it grabbed him from the cage and it was like dragging him through. That's freaking crazy. Dude, it's crazy how strong they Bro. are. Bro. Primates freak me out, dude. No way. See, that no should way. be all the more reason to eat them, right? <laughs> to get rid of them. To assert your dominance. Exactly. Got to show them who's boss. Eat them in front of the other monkeys and just laugh while you're doing it. Raw. Eat them raw <laughs> in front of the other monkeys. <laughs> dude, did y'all hear about that guy that uh, got in a motorcycle accident and his leg was all screwed up? And... Uh, they tried doing surgery on it and it just, it, it kept like, for some reason, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it wasn't, the surgery wasn't, uh, wasn't taking, wasn't successful. So they were going to have to amputate, amputate his leg. And he talked to them. He's like, you know, can I keep it? And they're like, what? And he wanted to keep his leg. And so he signed all, all sorts of waivers and stuff like that and was able to keep the bottom half of his leg. Then he called all his friends over and said, hey, like, y'all want to try my leg? And he cooked what? up freaking fajitas dude. with his leg, dude. And a couple Shut friends up. stayed over. Dude, I'm dead serious. And this guy cooked up fajitas with the bottom half of his leg, and him and his friends ate it. I was That's like, what the hell disgusting. is wrong with y'all? <laughs> the way you set this up, I thought it was going to be a joke. Well, I thought he for sure he's gonna say he want, he got a monkey leg or something, <laughs> right? <laughs> Instead of as a... that would have been nuts, dude. There used to be a little uh, um, Asian restaurant in San Marcos. It was a, it was a buffet, and <laughs> my buddy used to we I, I stayed at his at his house one time. We went to go eat there. He said, "Did you want monkey butt?" I was like, "Do I want what?" He goes, do, you, "Do you want monkey butt?" I was like. Uh, I don't know what that is. He goes, "Come on, I'll show you." And he took me to the thing, and it was and it was just chicken on a stick. It's what it was called. I was like, "Dude, oh man, call I got a story for y'all." And he's like, "Cause my he goes when I was a kid, my mom like she knew that I would like it, and so she didn't want me to to try it. So she told me it was monkey butt, but I tried it anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so now we just call it monkey butt. <laughs> That's hilarious. So we used to we used to go to this island all the time. Um with my ship and they would stay there and we would do like my ship had two crews. So we had the boat for about five, six months and then we swap other crews and they take it over and we fly out and uh, come home and they stay with it. Well, that Island was just South of the Indian ocean, just South of the Maldives. Uh, it's called Diego Garcia. Well, they contract Filipinos out there, right. To cook and run restaurants and they do a lot of the other services for us. So they, they help out a lot. Um, so when, whenever we're out there, there's hardly any cell service and like the only real thing to do out there is like hang out at the beach. It's, it's pretty like, uh, tropical setting. Like it's, it's just south of the equator. So it's always hot. Um, so really all you do is just hang out and drink beer and get drunk and, you know, basically party almost every day. I mean, it's just constant until you're ready to go home. Well, we'd go to this one place and they would have this little guy that come off in a cart 
And meanwhile, anytime you went to the store, you would never see any chicken, no beef in the store. It was always just like frozen, you know, it was weird stuff like squid, like whatever they want to eat. Well, they this guy would always come up in this cart when we'd be out like at some of the bars and he'd be like, oh, chicken on a stick, one dollar. And we eat that shit up. I mean, and it was good, like barbecue chicken on a stick for a dollar. And you get to realize you were like, bro, there was never any chicken in that store. <laughs> so where is this chicken on the stick coming from? And right. We're like, bro, that's that's rat. That's rat on a stick. So we'd always call it rat on a stick. But we need it, man. It was a dollar. It was good. So, you know, screw it. I'll take some rat on a stick for a dollar. Dude, there's been times like when we used to go down to Mexico a lot when I was younger. And, you know, there'd be the street vendors and whatnot. And they'd have chicken and beef and other you don't know what the other was, but the chicken and yeah. beef was like $2. The other was $1. Same shit on a stick. It's cheaper. Why not? You know? Yeah. And it was good. To this day, I still don't know what it was. Could have been dog. Yeah. Could have been cat. Could have been rat. Oh, but it, it tasted good. <laughs> exactly. I mean, some of these some of these Chinese food places, too. I've, I've seen videos where they have, like, freeze-dried and, like, vacuum-sealed cat. But that's what the with General Sal's chicken is. Man, that's just good as fuck. Right, shit. I'll still buy it. <laughs> yeah, dude, I freaking love that stuff. There was a place that uh, it's no longer open in a town a little bit away from me called Benton, and uh, it was actually a former marine. Well, once a marine, always a marine. So it was a marine, retired marine, and uh, he ran this Chinese food place. And he wasn't Chinese, but he ran this Chinese food place. Yeah. And all it was it was a drive through. Like you couldn't go inside and eat. And dude, his General Tso's chicken was so good. And I'd tell him, I said, "Hey, you know, I want that General Tso's chicken. Make it extra spicy." And, dude, he would put extra Szechuan peppers on it and whatnot. Dude, it was so freaking good. And it was cheap. Like, he would fill up. So, like, you know, you get those uh, styrofoam little clamshell yeah. containers. Dude, he would load that thing up. It would make a mess in my truck every single time. I had to start laying it on the floorboard because he would load it full. And it was like eight bucks. Dude, it was oh, freaking wow. amazing. And if I had my kids with me, he would see them in the back seat, and he would always talk to them. I'd roll down the window, and he would give them cookies for free and whatever else. Like, nice. it was a great place. Dude was friendly as hell. The food was good. It was cheap. And, you know, unfortunately, you know how that goes if, you know, those small mom and pop businesses go down when pandemics come through. But yeah, dude, that's exactly so freaking good. But hell, if it was yeah. cat, I'd still eat it. <laughs> exactly. It's pretty damn good cat to me. So no right? doubt. just don't tell me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yes, sir. Well, man, we appreciate you coming on. It's uh, yeah, it's man, been, no doubt. You know, going on an hour and forty five minutes, so it was great. I mean, you're always welcome back on. We had some good conversations, and I like hearing your take on on duck hunting because, like I said, I don't know nothing about it. So uh, we appreciate you coming on. And to all the listeners, if y'all made it to the end, we appreciate it. And uh, if y'all like it, tell us. If you don't like it, tell us. If y'all have any duck hunting stories or sandhill crane hunting stories, let us know. We'd love to hear about them. Other than that, we'll catch y'all next time. This has been Wildlife Outdoors. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Facebook at Wildlife Outdoors and on Instagram at wild.life.outdoors. Let's go live life on the wild side.